How's it going, everyone? You're listening to the West Coast Bible Teacher, the show where we are teaching the Word of God, one podcast at a time. And I want to welcome you to a brand new segment of this ministry that I'm going to be, uh, that I'm going to start doing on perhaps more of a sporadic but consistent basis. These are going to be 10 to 15 minute Bible studies. Brief but theologically rich Bible studies where we exegetically explore various passages of the scripture and see how they can apply to our everyday lives. I'll be posting these, of course, in addition to our regular verse-by-verse Bible study, which is up every Friday. Uh, In fact, we'll be starting the Book of Numbers on Friday, so I would invite you to tune into that. But as for today... I want to draw your attention to Matthew 5, verses 44 through 48. This will be the subject passage for today's study. And the title of today's study is Loving Your Enemies. Let's go ahead and read Matthew 5, 44 through 48. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them, which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. All of us in life are going to have enemies. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. You could be the nicest person in the world kind and compassionate to just about everyone you come in contact with. You know, you're considerate to everyone. You're godly in your conduct and behavior. But there will always be someone who simply doesn't like you. They'll have a problem with you, most likely for some ridiculous reason, you know, and they're the ones who honestly probably, you know, have the problem themselves. (laughs) But either way, the person doesn't like you. And no matter how hard you've tried to win them over, no matter how hard you've tried to reach out to them, whether it's someone at your job, or at your church, or maybe even a relative, a family member perhaps, no matter how hard you've tried, the person wants nothing but to chew you up and spit you out. That's an enemy right there that you have. And all of us will have enemies from time to time throughout our entire lives. Doesn't matter who you are. Jesus was the most perfect, kindest, most humble, gentle man who ever lived. And did Jesus have enemies? You better believe it. That's why Jesus gave this message to all of his followers, because he knew that all of us will have enemies in this life. 
for Jesus himself was betrayed by one of his own disciples for thirty pieces of silver. So all of us will have enemies in this life. But the way that we respond to each one of the enemies that we develop will have an immense impact upon both our overall life and uh, our spiritual walk as well. So Jesus starts with saying, Love your enemies. Notice how the word here being used is enemies. Plural. Telling us that this applies to not just one enemy that you come in contact with, but all those who hurt you and persecute you. This is a pretty heavy feat. How can you love someone who's ripped you off in a business dealing? How can you love a person who's been verbally abusive to you? What about someone who's done something especially evil to you, like sexually abuse you, or physically harm you, or a loved one of yours? How do I love my enemy? Well, Jesus is going to help us out here. He gives us examples. He says, do good to them. Pray for them. When was the last time you said a prayer for the person in your life who's hurt you? You know that this person's hurting you because they are hurt themselves, right? You see, we cannot and should not ever excuse a person's sin, nor can we overlook what they've done to us or done to others. However, we can recognize that this person who's hurting you is doing so because they've been hurt by others in their life. And they do not have the spiritual tools and resources that you have in order to properly handle their pain. It's quite fascinating when we realize that the enemy in your life who's hurting you is doing so out of the pain that they've experienced caused by their enemies within their life. The cycle of abuse, as modern psychologists call it. A person is abused when growing up, and so they then become an abuser themselves. So Jesus calls us to pray for those who persecute us and spitefully use us. Again, this does not take away the fact that what the person's doing to you is wrong. In fact, when you pray for someone who's hurt you, when you pray for your enemy, you should pray for them with the sin that they committed against you in mind. But you are praying that the Lord touches that person and does a marvelous work in their life so that they cease from hurting others in the same way that they're hurting you. That they repent of their sin, so that they can be spiritually restored by the Lord, and that they can make up for all the years that they've been the enemy within so many people's lives, including your own. That's called praying for your enemy. That's called loving your enemy. Now we're to love our enemies, However, this does not necessarily mean that we have to spend time with them 24-7. Or even spend time with them at all, depending on who the person is. David had a great love for Saul. He cared deeply for Saul. And on multiple occasions showed great mercy 
toward Saul. Despite the fact that King Saul wanted David executed, David never ceased caring and loving Saul. However, there did come a point, and the scriptures tell us this, where David came to the conclusion that nothing was going to stop Saul's sinful heart towards him. This happened after David twice had the chance to kill Saul, but both times David showed compassion and love towards Saul and ceased from destroying the king. David clearly was showing love and grace towards Saul, and was doing good to Saul. But after a while, David saw that Saul just wasn't letting up. And we read at the beginning of First Samuel chapter twenty-seven. After David showed all that love and grace towards Saul, he still came to the conclusion: one of these days, Saul is going to kill me. He's going to be successful in hunting me down and killing me. David could perceive that though he had shown lots of love towards Saul, it didn't matter. Saul wasn't going to change. So David never ceased from loving Saul, from wishing the best for Saul. However, he did make sure to stay far away from the guy. Because he knew that this guy had problems. <laughs> If someone is a very aggressive and violent person, it may be in your best interest to stay away from the individual until they're able to get the proper help to deal with their anger problem. However, while you are staying away from them, what should you do? Pray for them. Bless them. Pray that the Lord touches them and delivers them from their demons, or from the enemies that they may be dealing with within their life. I do believe that the more you bless your enemy in this manner, the more you pray for them, the less bitter and enraged you will feel when thinking about them, even when thinking about the initial sin that they committed towards you. Jesus said in verse forty-eight of our subject text that in operating in this way, you are being perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now we all know that it's not possible for us to become literally perfect. If someone tells you that it is, then they're certainly not perfect because they're lying to you. You know, what does it mean here when Jesus says perfect? Well. I will present to you two views proposed by Bible commentators. There are a number of noteworthy scholars who believe that the word "perfect" here should be translated "mature," as in spiritual maturity. As Christians, all of us certainly should strive towards spiritual maturity. But then there are also a large number of scholars who believe that the word "perfect" here. Fits into the larger context of the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples in Matthew chapter five. In this chapter, Jesus laid out many guidelines for righteous living and godly conduct towards your enemies 
is just one of the many guidelines that Christ lays out for us in this chapter. Therefore, according to some scholars, Jesus saying, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect," this is referring to the entire context of all the guidelines listed in this chapter. Jesus's disciples must strive to abide by all of these guidelines. They are to strive to reach absolute perfection in God. So some scholars believe that this passage is telling us to strive to become perfect in the Lord. None of us will attain absolute perfection, but we should still, in many ways, strive to be perfect in Jesus. So therefore, I've presented to you two popular views on what this word "perfect" means here within the text, and I actually think. That we can probably lump both of these interpretations together. When we render the word "perfect" as meaning spiritually mature, well, those who are spiritually mature should strive to achieve complete perfection in Christ. And those who understand the word "perfect" being used here as meaning complete conformity to God's requirements. Will ultimately reach a level of spiritual maturity if they are actively doing everything they can to abide by all of God's statutes each and every day. But let's not forget about the main message of this passage here. The Lord is encouraging us to show love towards those who have hurt us in this life. It's something that I myself have struggled with in my life. I think it's something that. All of us will struggle with occasionally, but the Lord wants us to operate on a higher standard than that of the non-believer. That's why Jesus mentioned in verse forty-six and forty-seven, even the worldly people show love towards those who treat them right. Therefore, if we as Christians only show love towards those who show us love. Then we're no different from the non-believer. Showing love towards your enemy, now that's something truly special. That's something people don't see every day. Again, that doesn't mean that you're to be a doormat. David showed great love towards Saul, while also recognizing that he had to keep up boundaries. Sometimes you have to protect yourself. Sometimes you have to pursue justice with certain situations. However, you must always view your enemy from a broader perspective, from the eternal perspective. In the end, they are simply a victim of this fallen world, just as you are. Which is why Jesus died for them, just as He died for you. This has been the West Coast Bible Teacher. Everyone, God bless you, and I'll see you next time.